talented women's basketball writers in the form of Haley McGoldrick of Sportsnet on the podcast. We talked about the impact of the Canada game, the W, international ball, fashion, and so much more. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Haley and myself chopping it up. Yo, 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 what is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome back to Avery Sports Show. If you're paying attention, you saw the hype and the attention for the WNBA's first ever game in Canada, which took place this weekend between Chicago and Minnesota. Tremendous turnout at Scotiabank Arena. So I wanted to have on one of the foremost experts of women's basketball in this country from Sportsnet, City News Toronto, FIBA, and the CFL. It's the one and only Haley McGoldrick. Haley, welcome to the podcast. How are things? How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Avery? Doing well, Haley. Doing well. Uh, first, first things first. I got to ask you, what does it mean to be able to not just be in the building, but to be able to cover the first W game in Canada? Because one thing I saw among so many reporters locally and the American reporters was that it, it was an honor for them and yourself to be a part of what was hit basketball history this weekend in Toronto. It was huge for me, especially too, over the last few years, everything being on Zoom. I only started covering the W in 2020 during that pandemic bubble season. So everything was over Zoom and even just not having any market, any team here in Canada you even the closest team to cover is the New York Liberty. That's in New York City. You know, that's not close to Toronto. So being able to finally have it in person, have it right in front of your eyes was just surreal. And the atmosphere was amazing. Every person there was just so excited to not only be part of history, but to just be watching women's basketball. It was incredible, especially because too, yes, there were fans of the Lynx and fans of the Sky, but for the most part, people were just fans of women's basketball. And every basket, it seemed like the crowd was just as loud for either team it was amazing so to be able to cover that was just a dream come true history aside I just love women's basketball so to be able to see it in person and be there and feel the energy I feel like that just comes through more in your story and your writing when you're there and you really feel the electricity in the room no I totally agree and watching the game and watching the lead up to the game and just seeing how the coaches Cheryl Reeve and James Wade talked about the game you could tell everybody, it did, even though it was a preseason game, it didn't feel like a preseason game. It felt like a playoff game, it felt like a finals game, and just a lot of the attention. And it goes to show that this country, the passion for basketball, goes well beyond the Raptors. This country loves basketball, be it the W, be it the CEBL, be it the women's game. The narrative that this is only a hockey country, that is so dead. That's so dead and gone. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> Hey, hey, says the Oilers guy, you know, that we have <laughs> some people still think the Oilers, Avery. Hey, hey, come on now. I am the oldest guy, but hey, I covered the two-time, two-time CEBL champions, the Edmonton Stingers. Come on now. <laughs> so we got no. love for ball out here. And oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been looking up through FIBA to get to watch Basketball Champions League America. I went back to Calgary in 2021 to see the Stingers. So I agree. I agree. Canada is for sure a basketball country. I mean, look at both of the national teams as well. Mm-hmm big things i think the men for sure have a revenge arc when it comes to the olympics not making tokyo the women's team wants to do better than they did in tokyo so yeah this is 100 a basketball country it was fun because you know of course we had the attention with the game on sports at the amount of coverage and now you look at the big thing 
with the WNBA has been expansion. We've been at 12 teams in the league for a while. And I think it's really hard now for the league to not really. I know we've heard the talk of 100 cities, then 20, and then 10. And now we've heard that Toronto is still among those 10 cities. You've got to think that you're gonna, we're going to hear eventually about an expansion team coming to Toronto. I know they discussed 2025. You've got to think they'd be among those teams that come to the league in 2025, Haley. Absolutely. And Commissioner Kathy Engelbert did speak on it a little bit because it obviously does go more than just passion. You saw 19,000 people in that arena. It was so loud. It was buzzing. You can't deny that the passion was there. And there's going to be a lot of naysayers who say, oh, yeah, well, it was the first game. So a lot of people wanted to be there. Okay, I've like, I've been to Raptors games. The seeds, It's not a sold out game. Like It's not realistic to sell out every single game, of course. But the passion is there. The people will go there. If you build it, they will come type deal. So I think that Toronto definitely should be sure. The only problem is, and it's with every every league because you know games or not games teams are owned individually so it's not like the league owns everybody and they can just plop a team in toronto and say i'm gonna do this here you look at the las vegas a's as obviously they have mark davis as one of their owners they just had tom brady buy in as a minority owner uh-huh. they have a lot of money to be able to build a world-class facility and it's incredible and obviously they're a championship caliber team but not every team can do that because not every owner has those finances to be able to do that. Some teams play in bigger arenas than others just because of the way that the individual ownership works. So you would need a really good ownership team here in Toronto, which I think you would be able to buy, especially when we have companies like MLSE who already have, you know, the Raptors, TFC, the Argos, all those teams, they, you know, the Leafs, yeah, whatever the Leafs, but, um, <laughs> you, know, you know, we have ownership groups who could definitely buy into that. I just think, A, obviously, logistics finance is one thing, and also the WNBA does have a problem right now already with travel, you know, uh-huh. flying and charter flights and whatever, and having to do all that while crossing a border is another issue, which I understand, but I think from purely a buy-in standpoint there's absolutely people in this country who want to see women in sports thrive i mean obviously outside of basketball but you look at diana matheson there's clearly a need for women's soccer she's the one who pulled up her boots and said okay i'll be the one to do it and so we just need somebody here in toronto to do the same because there's people who want basketball in this country there totally are and the more i see the w grow it's been around for 27 years been so many iconic players been so many moments and now we're seeing the w get bigger TV deals. And one thing I always see, Haley, is people who say, ah, who cares about women's basketball? Who cares? And like, they're always proven wrong. They're always, always proven wrong every oh. time they say that kind of bull crap. And now we got the W getting, um, this year, more we saw they got more TV deals. I on TV, we're seeing deals with Paramount Plus. And it's great to see more money coming to W and more networks saying, we want to carry these games on our platform because we see the hunger for women's basketball continues to grow at the pro level. And and in college ball as well, too. We saw the attention for March Madness. Various teams, be it what we saw, people seeing Connecticut, people seeing Iowa, Caitlin Clark. And it's been a fun time to be following with basketball right now. Oh, absolutely. Even talking about LSU now, so many people who I don't even think really cared that much for March Madness before the tournament, when Haley Van Lith announced that she was transferring to LSU, everybody's like, oh, super team. All right, next year, LSU is going to run it back with HVL. Like, all these people who didn't really care. Because, again, if you put it on TV, people will watch it. If you have exposure, like, that game, it sold out in 10 minutes. People are going to come if you allow them to have it. I would love to see something the same from, like, the NWSL. I grew up playing soccer. I love soccer. 
soccer. Obviously, what Diane is doing in Project Eight is amazing. But even if the NWSL had an exhibition team, you bring the Portland Thorns here. Janine Becky, obviously she's hurt, but Janine Becky plays for the Portland Thorns. Christine Sinclair plays for the Portland Thorns. Like, there's a team you can bring here that has Canadian representation, have an exhibition game. It's great. So what the W is doing is amazing, and they're smart about it. They know when they came here on yesterday, they had 14 corporate sponsors for one single game. That is insane. People like Tangerine, MasterCard, all buying into this game for one single day. It goes to show you that the investments there, people want to be there. And I think that, again, like you said, you just if you give people the opportunity to have that exposure, they will watch it. And it's true. It is funny when people say, well, no one watches women's sports yet. I've been covering this league for four years. Year after year, at least the last three years, because that's the data that I know, every single year, finals viewership is up. You know, All-Star Weekend viewership is up. Sales of jerseys are up. It's crazy. So you're right. It is bull crap. All the people who say nobody watches because the data says otherwise. And we all know that numbers don't lie. Ball don't lie and numbers don't lie. <laughs> it's so true. Very true, Haley. And you know, again, watching the game and watching the week and mention how it's important to have people watching, but also the access to the players is a really big thing too. Cause I saw, you know, there's so many, there's so many little girls and boys who had the access to see Bridget Carlton, be able to see Clea Copper. And also too, we always see on when they're not playing on TSN, we see Kia Nurse on Sportsnet. We see Natalie Achanwa. It's so big that our youth in this country can have those women out here on TV and playing in the league that they can say, hey, I can be like Kia. I can be like Natalie. You know that playing pro ball as a Canadian isn't a myth. It's a real tangible thing I can achieve. I can see it. Oh, absolutely. And I think what's amazing about the W, especially in a lot of women's sports, but the W, you know, they really are honed in on helping the youth. The WNBA runs youth clinics. They have the players come out. Players are available to be there. They're at these camps. They're helping teach these little girls. Even this weekend, there was just meet and greet appearances. Even mm-hmm. to just meet Natalie Achan was amazing. Even the Sky players, Dana Evans and Rebecca Gardner were out there. Even to just see them say hello. You know, you watch Dana Evans at Louisville. Now she's playing for the Sky, you know, national champion, like a world champion. But, uh, um, but, uh, you know, those kinds of things, like, it's huge for little girls just to be able to, like, meet their idols and say hello. Even for me, you know, I was at an event the other day, and I met Diana Matheson in person, and I'm 26 years old, and I was like, oh my god, it's Diana Matheson, and, like, I'm I'm an adult, so, like, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge for those little girls to be able to see that representation. Like, it's it's incredible for them, and not only, you know, being able to learn from them and play at camps and stuff, but like you said, just to be able to see them and meet them, and I think the W knows that so many of them, Bridget herself said, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have the WNBA. I went, she said she went to, like, a Detroit Shock game, which some people, you know, can't afford to go travel to Detroit and go right. see that, and even Kalia Copper was saying post game too. She didn't like watch the W growing up. She didn't know what was going on. She didn't even think she was going to play in the W until she went to Rutgers. And she knows mm-hmm. that, you know, Kathy Poindexter went to Rutgers. They produced WNBA players so she can probably make the W after going to Rutgers. But up until that point, like it wasn't even a dream that she had because she didn't really see it. So for her, her thing is like, you know, see it, believe it. And I think that everybody in the league wants that for the younger generations as well, which again, points to expansion that they all want to see this game grow so much, but it's so hard when you already have amazing players who are being cut from rosters because there's less than 144 spots, let alone all these amazing players that are coming up through college systems. There's a lot of great overseas players as well who mm-hmm. might have just because there's not enough teams and there's not enough spots. No, of course. And now I, and it'll be great to see the WNBA Canada game become a yearly fixture on the calendar. Because we've seen on the men's side, 
the NBA take games across Canada quite often. I think it'd be cool to see a W take games and say have a, a yearly game where it starts in Toronto. We have games in Montreal, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, because yes, Toronto is a hotbed, but people should see that, hey, basketball is big, you know, in Victoria, in Winnipeg, in other markets, and that we could possibly maybe one day have more than just one team in Canada. Maybe I think the country could sustain a team in Montreal, a team in Vancouver. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing too. I actually asked a question to Commissioner Kathy Engelbert because I agree that as much as this game in Toronto was historic and amazing, mm-hmm. a lot of people think Toronto is the center of the universe, but it's not. There's a <laughs> lot of other amazing cities in Canada. I had somebody tweet at me and say, you know, me and my daughter live 2000 kilometers away. We would have loved to be at the game, but we don't live anywhere near. So it would be amazing to even just have an exhibition game in Edmonton, see the growth there. Have an exhibition game in Vancouver. See who will come out. Even the East Coast as well, you know. Have something maybe near Quebec. Maybe who knows. Go out to Halifax. Go to the East Coast. Like, not everybody lives in Toronto. So it is incredible that 19,000 people came out in Toronto. But I 100% know that there's people on the West Coast, people on the East Coast who would have loved to be at that game but logistically couldn't have. And if you showed up for those cities, they would show up for the WNBA as well. There's definitely support all over this country. It's crazy. We definitely, like you said before, are a basketball country. And I believe that the the need and the want is there. No, of course. I cannot agree more. And what I love seeing was following yourself on Twitter, following other reports. I love what I loved was that I love seeing the access of this game growing because one thing that leagues have to hone in on is giving access to the next generation of media younger reporters. I love seeing um, other reporters there, like yourself with their S for there because I feel it's important for these leagues to get younger voices, get more diverse voices in there to help tell better stories and relate to players more. That's so very important. Yeah, and I agree too. And I was really blown away in the best way of how many female reporters were in that room yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because there have been times when I've been covering other sports and other leagues and I've been the only woman there. I remember one time I was covering a soccer game and I went to the bathroom and I cried because I was the only woman in the press box and I was so overwhelmed and it was like honestly like an old boys club and I felt so out of place and I knew that I deserved to be there but I just had such bad imposter syndrome because I was like I'm the only girl here I'm 26 years old these guys are all like my dad's age like I just don't feel like I fit in whereas yesterday it was a bunch of like young female reporters Mm. incredible and there were some other male reporters of course and like a lot of my friends who are incredibly good at what they do I don't think you have to be a woman to cover the WNBA there's a lot of very passionate female basketball fans like yourself um who were there and I love the diversity in covering like a lot of women of color as well Mm. huge because the WNBA is a league with prominently black women and I think that's why they're a league that's so progressive. And I love that anytime there's a social justice issue, the WNBA is the first league to stand up for it, to say something, to put out a statement. That's why they have an amazing collective bargaining agreement that puts women who are mothers first, you know, they put their health and safety first. There's a lot of leagues that are really behind the WNBA because they're so progressive. And I feel like the media is kind of the same in that sense. It was incredible to be sitting with a bunch of female reporters I look up to people told me they look up to me which is crazy it was just it was really diverse and it was really amazing and that's what I love about the league that it's just you know it's not just a bunch of old white men sitting <laughs> it's 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 very diverse and it's very inclusive no that's amazing and you know with this league here of course it's been a busy off season I want to ask you a couple of things on this league here. I know and going back to a point you made earlier you mentioned super teams 
in the NCAA. And we're getting that in the WNBA. We saw Vegas and New York loading up. So I want to ask you between these two teams, who could emerge? Do you see a Liberty Championship more or do you see a Vegas repeat? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because yesterday, obviously, all eyes were on Toronto, but the Liberty and the Aces actually played each other in a preseason game. And the Aces came out on top, but also, obviously, New York, it's a bit different because they've had so much changeover over the last three years. They had a different head coach two years ago. They had Walt Hopkins. Now they have Sandy yes. Brandella. They had Sabrina Nescu go down, and now she's back from injury. Beck Allen, I love Beck Allen. She's gone. Now she's gone to the sun. Obviously, you're bringing in amazing players in Brianna Stewart and Benaja, or not Benaja Laney, um, in John Quill Jones. Like, um, all these amazing players, but... You you also have to get that chemistry. Yes, Brianna Stewart is one of the best basketball players, men's or women, we will ever see. It doesn't mean she doesn't have to still find ways to have chemistry with her new te- teammates. She only scored nine points in that preseason game. She went three of 16 for the field. Like, obviously, she's not going to be perfect every game, but she's also Brianna freaking Stewart. Like, she knows how to score baskets. Um, but just, you know, trying to find that chemistry for her is a big thing. And I think that they once they find their chemistry, they'll be a really good team. They obviously have a lot of amazing shooter shooters in Benaja Lady, in Sabrina Nescu. They have a really great bench and players like you know Dee Dee Richards, who even if she's not playing on the floor, she's bringing amazing energy on the bench. Um, so I really like that team. Steph Dolson is incredible, um, but I just think the Aces because they have that chemistry still. Their core is still all there. They still have Asia. They have Candice. They have Kelsey. They have Chelsea Gray. They have Jackie Young. They've added Alicia Clark. Like. They just have so many amazing players that I'm like, okay, they they really are a team that's going to like probably run it back. But I can't say too much about New York's chemistry right now because it's just the preseason and they're still getting used to each other. And this isn't even the final roster. We don't know who will make the cut, who won't. But I think as of right now, Vegas just has that one up because of the fact that they still have that chemistry over a New York team that's brought in a lot of amazing players. But we've seen in a lot of pro sports, if you look at, you know, for example, Chelsea right now, who spent hundreds of million dollars <laughs> to bring in so many players and they just went like this. They did not mesh. So hoping New York meshes a lot better, but obviously you can't buy chemistry. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Of course. And going back to the game in Toronto, I want to ask you about the two teams that played in that game, Chicago and Minnesota. And going back to the game in Toronto, I want to ask you about the two teams that played in that game, Chicago and Minnesota. Chicago had the second best record in the league, but fell in the semifinals to Connecticut. Minnesota, the Minnesota Lynx have been a team that's been one of the more consistent clubs. And for sure, Reed in Minnesota, losing is a thing that doesn't happen for her very often. Last year was only her second sub-500 season with the Lynx. Of course, we know she led them to four championships. I just wanted to get your prognostication on both these clubs coming into 2023 and what we might see these teams do. Yeah, I think for the Sky, both of them are pretty, you know, new look teams in the sense that for Minnesota, they're in the post-Sylvia Fowles era. And she's one of the best women's basketball players we have ever seen play the game. Not even just in, you know, the last few years ever. You know, she was named to the W25 for a reason. And so she's not only brings that on the court, but also off the court as a leader, as a veteran. So now you've got players like Kayla McBride, like Nafisa Collier, who have to step up to the plate and be that sort of leader on those teams. And they're a team, too, who has some new look players. You look at Tiffany Mitchell. She had an amazing game yesterday, but 
she played her whole career in Indiana before this, right? And she said herself, her game style overseas is similar to what the Lynx are doing. So she feels like she fits in, but you still have those pieces that you kind of need to fit in. And they did have a lot of injury woes last year in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. The was off. Obviously she came back 10 and a half weeks after having a baby, which is insane to me. Uh, It just goes to show the commitment and dedication to the game, but she was obviously out for a while. Natalie Chan was out right now because she just had a baby. So they've dealt with a lot of roster turnover. There was a point where I'm pretty sure they were playing with like eight or nine players just because of like all their injuries and players who were off, but they're holding a roster spot for. So I think a healthy Minnesota team will be a really fun team. You looked even yesterday, they've got players like Rachel Bannum, who when she's hot mm-hmm. from hot from three, yes. really well. Bridget Carlton, we've seen the same from her. Obviously yesterday, I think was a very nerve wracking game for many reasons for her, but we've seen Bridget when she's hot from, you know, mid range, she can hit those shots. So they have a lot of great shooters in Minnesota. And then as far as Chicago goes, they're on the other side where they lost Candace Parker. They've lost Diamond to Shield two seasons ago. You know, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, like they, they've lost a lot of their championship core now at this point. So they're like, Kalia Copper is the new leader on this team. And she's obviously incredible. She was finals MVP two years ago for a reason. She's an incredible player, but she's kind of that leader now as well. And there's a lot of young players on that team who really have to step up as well. You even looked yesterday at Hey on a trailer. She was hot in the fourth quarter. So they just kept feeding her the ball. She hit like four, three pointers in the fourth quarter and it helped them grab that win just because they're a team who I think they have a lot of really great. Their defense is incredible. Like Chicago is a very defense heavy team. And you saw that that's why they kept Minnesota scoreless for like the first four minutes of the game because they're very great on defense and they're very good offensively as well. I think for them too, it's just kind of finding that chemistry when you lose so much of your core, whereas at least for Minnesota, they've got a lot of their core coming back. It's just, they haven't been able to stay healthy. Love the breakdown of both rosters, Haley. And before I let you go, I want to, couple more things I want to get to with you, Haley. One thing I've always loved about the W is that fashion has always been at the forefront of this league. You've always seen players getting fits off. You see it in tunnel walks, style and fashion, no matter what team you play on. Players and coaches always know how to put great outfits together. You see the tunnel walks. And I cannot wait to see this being kept up. Even among the coaches, too. We've seen the coaches in this league get some fits off, which I love. Because in the men's game, in the NBA, and the NCAA, post-COVID, you've seen so many men's coaches stick to the look of khakis and sweatpants. In the NBA, I'm done with it, Haley. I'm so done with it. In the women's college game, too, we saw Don Staley on the sidelines with some amazing outfits. I love that. Oh, absolutely. Have you even look at Kim Mulkey? Oh my God. All of her NCAA fits this season were insane. She looked like she was going to the Taylor Swift heiress tour every single night. <laughs> I'm going I'm to the tour next month. So I'm going to have to borrow one of her fits because they were insane. But you know, and it's like, it is in one sense, it's just fun. You know, I think a huge part of the culture, because you do see it in NBA players, just not the coaches, but Mm -hmm. those tunnel fits, that's huge. There's literally pages like league fits that are dedicated to players' outfits. Why not have fun with it? Even yesterday, Kalia Copper's outfit that she wore to the game was incredible, and she wore it to the post-game press conference, and she's wearing, like, Rick Owens. It was amazing, and it's like, you know, why not have fun with it? And I love that the coaches, too, because it is you're showing out like it is it's like when you go to the office and you dress nice for the office why not dress nice for the game why not have fun with it you can wear a nice little blazer and some pants and then wear some like cool nikes like i don't i agree that i feel like men's coaches are really boring they all love 
that Nike zip up that they get with the logo right here, that and like a pair of black Nike sweats, like that's their uniform. And it's like, why not have fun with it? Like you, you can dress up, you can have fun. And I feel like it's one of those like feel good, look good things too. When you're on the sidelines, like if I was out there, I would absolutely be showing up. There's that one coach at the university of Texas. I don't remember her name, but she's always like slaying the fits. And I remember some people online were like, Oh, it's taking away from the players. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. She looks good. I'm sure the players love it too. You look at your coach, you're like hyping her up, being like your your outfit looks amazing. And it's like, if I, oh my God, my dream is to get a tunnel fit. I don't play any sport, but I want a tunnel <laughs> fit. I want somebody to be taking my photo in the tunnel because like, that's so fun to me. Why not have fun with it? I feel like even for us working in sports, I feel like it's a fashion show half the time. Yesterday, I was so stressed about my outfit because I was like, I gotta look good because everybody else is gonna look good. Everyone's gonna be wearing their Nike Dunks. They're gonna be wearing, you know, their New Balance 550s. Like, I gotta look good. So I like that the women's coaches take themselves seriously too and just like, you know, want to look good and have fun fits. I think a lot of fun about working in sports is that you can kind of be a little bit more business casual but still make it look good. No, of course. I totally agree. I mean, Haley, I I mean, I'm out here covering basketball, covering hockey. I mean, I always wear something different, different outfit that wear something quirky stuff. I mean, right now, I'm wearing, I'll show you right now, I'm wearing, I mean, I'll show you right now. I know if you're listening, you can't see, but I wore my red polka dot pants to Orlo's morning skate. I love it. I I like to be a little different with my fits. So I love the fact that you, I love the fact that you feel that way. I love the fact that other reporters feel that way about showing out. It's amazing. And I'll let you, I'll let you go on this. I get what it means to see more international WNBA games and more international games in general, also involving national teams. I know we also have coming up Canada, Japan are playing in Victoria, June 2nd, because we're seeing around the world and more W games beyond America's borders, because we know this is a global game and we know the passion for women's basketball spans far beyond the U.S. We know about the love and the strong infrastructure of women's basketball in Europe, in Asia, in Australia. I totally agree. I even think for myself, not in a basketball sense, because again, it wasn't really here when we were growing up. But for mm-hmm. me, I still have a ticket stub from 2009 and it was the Canadian women's national soccer team, Canada versus Japan. It was at BMO field. And I was there and I still remember that day because just growing up playing soccer, being able to just see Christine Sinclair meant so much to me. And I know for little girls being able to, you know, even go see that Canada Japan game. It's the national team. Yeah. It's not the WNBA, but there's, you know, you're going to be seeing a Kia nurse, a Bridget Carlton, you know, a Letitia Amahir and Aaliyah Edwards, those players play on the national team. Being able to see that is huge. Just having that representation is too. It it grows the game. Yeah, it's fun to watch on TV, but to be able to be there, to be in that atmosphere is amazing. And I think that they should do, you know, obviously the NBA just went to Paris. Why not do that for other international teams? Because the WNBA, there's players across the ocean who yes. watch the NBA. We draft players from Australia go have a game obviously like i get the travel and all that would be tedious but like Mm. you know there's a lot of australian players that's huge and they got to grow up watching players like lauren jackson but you have beck allen in your league right now who's australian how amazing would that be for her to be able to go home and play in australia in front of that crowd like it's beneficial for i feel both the player and the audience because you've got little girls who want to play basketball and want to be able to see that and that exposure just it's so much more special being in that arena than watching it on tv every time for any live sport really you you understand too it's like 
being there in the flesh, nothing will ever compare to that. So being able to have that opportunity for little girls, for parents to be that, to have that bonding memory for parents and their kids. And then also for the players as well. Like I know that no matter what happens with the Lynx this season, that will be one of the highlights of Bridget Carlton's season. Nothing's going to top that for her. You know, a lot of people came here just for her. She said her grandmother got to watch her play in person for the first time. Like, I just think there definitely needs to be as much as, yes, I understand with expansion, finances, logistics, whatever. If you can't expand here next year, I get it, but you can have an exhibition game. You can make that up and I think that more cities deserve that chance to come out and have that exposure because there's so many fans across the globe who, if they can't afford to come fly, you know, to New York, to Las Vegas, to Phoenix, they won't get to see that in person. So bringing it to them, they're going to show up for you. Of course, we talk about furthering the reach of a W and getting more games in different areas. I think it would be fun to see a Mystics game being played in Stockholm and have Amanda Zowie B be able to play in Sweden. I think it'd be great to see Jean-Claude Jones and Liberty play in the Bahamas. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I even think I do a lot of work for FIBA Americas. Like, Jamiris Dantas is Brazilian. I know if you took a game to Brazil, those Brazilian fans would come out and they would absolutely <laughs> So, WNBA to Brazil when? Great question. Asking the right questions, Haley. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Honestly, it's been fun having you here on Avery Sports Show. We got to do it again sometime. I'm always in Toronto in the summertime, so maybe I'll see you down in Global Jam at Ryerson this summer here. Yes, you absolutely will. Thank you so much for having me, Avery. But yes, I will catch you at Global Jam 100%.